I have to tell you, I'm going to be really transparent with you. I have a little bit of fear. No, no, it's okay. We're going to cast this thing out. I have a, a little bit of fear with what I'm going to share. I was, uh, I told um, first service, I said, guys, I only have one point, which I do. In the break, Alan said, Jeff, your one point was this big. He said, it's not, a, it wasn't a point. It was like a, you know, dinosaur sandwich. And so I was like, oh, he says, really good. So, I, I'm, so I'm saying, so a couple of things is the thing that I have fear about is that when we start getting into, you know that there is a, I've been t- talking about this, there's an art to listening. And what I've learned is, is the things that turn off the listening feature that we're endowed with is repetition, but we've already hit this every, every week, so repetition, uh, a dislike in the speaker, <laughs> and the third thing is, is when we don't understand, we don't understand something, we go, oh, and shut down. Let me give you a, a, a scripture reference for that. John chapter 6 just to make it legal. John chapter six, the beginning of the chapter, Jesus does this miracle with over 5,000 people. He feeds, you know, probably upwards around 15 to 20,000 people. That's at the beginning. Then he gets into some stuff and begins to say things that they don't understand. And he begins to say, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And then he drops the mic. No explanation, walks off and leaves them to their, what did he say? To their own inability to try to discern something spiritual in the natural and they all missed it. Now, I don't know how many people it says, I don't know how many people did this, but in verse 66, says, as a result of this, what he had just said, Many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Over what? They didn't understand what he was talking about. Is it interesting how not understanding causes us to step away? Twelve of them did. Jesus turns to his apostles or disciples and said, hey, are you going to leave too? And Peter's like, we have nowhere to go. You have the words of eternal life. I have no idea what you just said, but I'm good. Understanding might come later. I'm good. And so part of what I'm wanting to talk about today is it might hit that place in us. And so I, I, I think what I am, uh, and I'm not trying to build up uh, just for the sake of building things up, but I'm, I think I am passionate about all of us going somewhere together. And so uh, I just really feel like from the Lord that the Lord has highlighted this group of people here and has said, hey, I want you guys to take a journey with me. And, uh, and so that's what we've been talking about. <clears throat> so I'm going to pick up right where we've been talking about the atonement and looking at that, and, and I have no idea how long this teaching is going to go on for. I, I'm not, and I'm not apologizing for that at all. Uh, I, I keep seeing something new uh, every time I teach this, and, uh, and I, I love it because, if anything, I've said this before, it, it adds fuel to my worship, when I'm picturing who it is, I'm, what he's done for me, what the Father's done for me, what Jesus has done for me, what the Holy Spirit comes and enlightens me, and I'm singing directly to him, I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is awesome. So, um, so, Lord, we need help. I need help. We need help. And I, I mean that. We need help. Lord, I ask for grace. Grace, supernatural, divine ability to be able to capture what is being said, what your Holy Spirit is saying, to be able to capture, to be able to not just memorize what was said, but Lord, to retain what was said 
into the recesses, into the soil of our heart, Lord, we ask. I thank you, Lord, your word says that no word that leaves your mouth returns without accomplishing what it was meant to accomplish. And so, Lord, we ask for that in all of us. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, <clears throat> so just for the sake of starting on the same page, I realize some people have been here every week, some people haven't, some people, you know, so I've got this mixture uh, of folks, and I, sometimes I, if I, you know, if I, I, there's several of you that I, that I identify, I'm like, oh, I know who I'm talking to, and then I'll look up and go, I, I don't know that I'm familiar with, so I don't know who I'm talking to. And so just for the sake of getting everybody on the same page, and, and again, I'm not, no, I don't really know where I'm going to land, but just in case I land somewhere and I haven't explained it, uh, this is what this is for. So this chair is Psalms 89.14. Anybody want to tell me what it is, what it says? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And, and, uh, and so, uh, so that's, that's a prop. That's what we've been going back to. This, if you would, in the, in, the, in the course of what I've been talking about in the atonement, the government of God is seated. God is seated on this throne that administers justice and righteousness. That's the government of his kingdom. Everything works or operates in the kingdom of God according to these two principles, righteousness and justice. He is administering justice when justice needs to be administered, and he is exalting righteousness or upholding righteousness when that needs to be administered. And so this whole uh, 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 premise is happening in the background of what we're talking about, which is the atonement. And so just to make sure uh, I am going in between three different verses that sometimes I highlight every week, sometimes I pick one, uh, one of the three, but for this week, just for the sake of, uh, of resetting us and recalibrating us, uh, and they're in no particular order because they all work in tandem. And so this verse is taken from Exodus, and it's where God told uh, Moses, he, he called the children of Israel out of Egypt, delivered a million plus people and uh, did all of these signs and wonders, crossed through the Red Sea, nobody had ever done it before, on dry ground, destroy the, the, the uh, Egyptian army, <clears throat> gets them out there, and then he begins to tell them the, the, his specific plan for the, and the purpose for why he called them out here. It was to meet with them. And he begins to, he tells, he tells Moses in intricate details, details that we pass over when we're doing our daily reading. We're just going, ah, oh, who cares if there's 50 rings or what color, there, if there's porpoise skins or if it's purple, or if it's red or, you know, I'm just being transparent with you. And, uh, and, and, and he, he, but yet God was so intent on the specifics of this. And at the end of, as he's describing what this dimensions and everything looks like, he says this, he said, I want you to build 45 inches by 27 inches, this thing called the atonement or the atonement cover or the mercy seat. And, and he says, "Out of I will meet you there. I will talk to you there. From there, I'm gonna give you my instructions. And you know, it's like, okay, part of you can say, part of us can go, okay, well, I'm good with that. The other part is, Why? Why, why there? Like this makes no sense. Because another part of scripture says, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains and the fullness thereof. Why here? Why uh, this little piece of property? This little, this little thing that's called the atonement cover. Why here? And we realize that what he's pointing to, he's pointing to something that's actually physical, but he's referring to something that's spiritual. Okay, and what he's bringing reference to is because of the fall of man, because man fell, because his government sits on righteousness and justice, justice because of sin had to be administered. So now, because of the fall of man, there is a breach between man and God. 
There's a separation between man and God. Man has the, man is incapable of getting back to God. Do you know that you can't get to God? He has to, get, he has to come to you. You can't go to him, he comes to you. Okay. So there's this breach between mankind and God. Man was set up to succeed. Man had everything. And in the fall, he lost everything. He lost his health. He lost his lifespan. He lost his mental facilities. He lost, he lost everything. The, the, the ground was cursed. The earth was cursed. Everything came under a curse when man did that. And so God is up here and he's, and, and he's sitting on this throne administering justice and rightly so. There's another piece that's in this puzzle in that, that at this place called the throne is where the accuser of the brethren has access to. It talks about in Revelation. The accuser of the brethren was thrown out of heaven. The one who accuses night and day he accuses you night and day. He accuses me night and day, night and day, day and night, night and day. Just on and on and on. And he is pointing to God, holding you up, holding me up in front of God going, hey, did you see what he did? Did you see what Jeff did? Did you see what she did? According to your government, justice has to be administered. And he's right. He's right. And the beauty of this whole scenario is that God found a way to not bypass, but to, to, to satisfy the justice side of his throne in that he had to find a, he, he did it through a sacrifice. That's a huge I, I, am, I am skimming over some really big waves right now in our little sea dew. <laughs> big waves. I realize, I, I think part of me is like, I think the fear of God is on me because lest we go, yeah, amen, brother, preach on. And we're just like, oh, you, do we understand? Jeff, do you understand what you just said? Those are huge, huge implications. And so God found a sacrifice. God, he found a sacrifice, something that would satisfy his wrath that would cause him to go, okay, you know what? I'm good. And it was all found in the sinless obedience of not just a man, but his son who became a man, who left deity, took off all of his deity wrote and took on the form of a man and, and became obedient to the point of death. It's like, because of that, God has given him a name that's above every other name. Every other name. There's no other name. In, in our world, in this physical world, we don't see the effects. In the spiritual world, let me tell you something, everybody, everything bows to the name of Jesus. The kingdom of darkness cannot mention the name of Jesus. They can't. Can't mention it. Can't do it. And so there, there's a big discrepancy between what's happening in the invisible realm and what is happening here in the visible realm. But that's okay because he's going to catch the visible realm up. Yeah. So. I will meet you there. I will talk to you there. I will, th this is, and, and, and again, it's more than just a meeting. This isn't a handshake. This isn't, this is where, this is where, this is talking about reconciliation. From there, we will be reconciled. From there, we'll be able to pick up where we left off from there. So that's one of the verses. The next verse is, is this, again, all of these are kind of happening uh, succinctly. The, it, at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, the, I felt like the Lord, you know, said, uh, the Lord said to me, hey, Jeff, I read this verse. And when I was reading the verse, just, you, ever, you know, when you read and you've read stuff a thousand times and one of, all of a sudden one day, just one of the scriptures just jumps off the page and slaps you and you're like, wow, what, what is this? That was this at the beginning of the year. 
And I was having a hard time, like, well, are you talking to me? Are you talking to the church? And I felt like that the Lord was talking to me and the church, uh, us-ins, and um, <clears throat> was saying, in essence, there's a whole lot more that's available, and it's going to be found through you knowing the scriptures and knowing the power of God, and not seeing the two as, as, as separate, but they're actually, they're actually together. And, and so he's invited us into this process. This, this is what part of what we're discovering because we keep going back. And sure enough, where Jesus said to the, to the Sadducees or the Pharisees, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But these only point to me. But you won't come to me. And so this is what's happening. We are seeing different scriptures as they are pointing back to Jesus, pointing to who he is. It's the eternal redemption story that we will forever be singing about. If you're, if you're upset because we're singing the same songs week after week after week, well, buckle up. Probably want to get over that hump. Because there's one song that's being sung, there's a couple of songs, but there's one song, the holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it has been the number one bestseller for I don't know how many years now. But <laughs> selling out left and right. I mean, they just can't keep this one in, on the shelves in heaven. So your mistake is you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And then along with that, if that wasn't enough, we have felt that the Lord is pointing to, I want, I want you to speak the whole message of this life, Jesus. Life is capitalized. It's deified. The angel in, in Acts 5, was, he, he broke out the, uh, the apostles that had been locked up in prison, and he gives them this one instruction. Hey, when you're out of here, when you leave, go and stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. It's like, why would you say that? Of course we're going to speak the whole message of this life. Maybe, maybe there might be another piece of the whole message of this life that you're less familiar with. Oh, okay, well, that's a good point. And so that's where we are. <clears throat> Is that good enough or you guys get caught up? Okay, you're all dismissed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so if you have your Bible, which I hope you do, I hope you, I hope you're, reading along with me. Turn to John chapter 1. I want to, um, I want to talk about <clears throat> something, John chapter 1. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. <clears throat> and, um, well, let's just start to read. Well, let me say this. I want you to turn to John chapter 1. So we're going to get into this, and then at the end of this message, I'm going to uh, bring a, uh, a nice little bow tie, so to speak, on the message. And I feel like that the Lord has got a specific word for several of us in this room. This is a prophetic word that I'm going to end with. Is that good? Okay, <clears throat> so let's start, let's begin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. This is talking about Jesus. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The reason that I love the way that John writes is because to me it's poetic. It's a certain poetry. It's like, why could you just say, hey, we saw Jesus, and you know what, and he's great, and no, he, he's got this, he's trying to explain who he is. And so the only way that he could explain this eternal one is to use eternal language. So he's using eternal language. He wouldn't even call him Jesus, this one. Calls him the word of God. He's using big words. We know what he's talking about, but if, we, if, we, if we'll pull the reins on this right here and allow this spirit man to catch up, what he's talking about is a lot bigger than what we're reading. So he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overpower it. And I stop here because 
I, uh, <clears throat> I was reminded, um, I, uh, in my junior year in high school, I switched from, I changed schools, went from a small, really, really small private school, went to a public school. And uh, <clears throat> back then, there was a discrepancy about um, private schools and public schools, and one's better than the other, and all this sort of stuff. And uh, uh, so I, I got set in an English class that, where I was taking honors English, Miss Haynes. She was my favorite teacher Ms. She, of all time, Miss Haynes. And I remember the first, uh, I, I forget what it was that we had to write, but, you know, some sort of a whatever story about, anyway, I just remember my first one, I thought, I'm really going to impress this lady. And so I put in semicolons and all the, all the, all the fancy stuff, you know, just to show her, hey, I didn't just jump off the potato truck here, okay? And uh, she handed that, when I got the paper back, it was marked up with all sorts of red marks. And I think I made like a C minus or a D plus. I was like, whoa, what is going on? Well, in one of those uh, uh, one of the circles that she made in red, she highlighted, hey, you've changed vi- uh, verb tense in the middle and midstream. You, you can't do that. And I was like, huh. And so uh, that's always stuck with me. So honors English now is now you're, you're getting the benefit of, of honors English here. <laughs> that when you read this verse, if you pay attention the verb tense changes. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. I would have gotten marked off in my honors English class if I wrote that. I'd say, I didn't write it, God did. <laughs> I don't think she would have believed me. But anyway, <clears throat> so what it should read, it should read, the light either shined in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it, or the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. But we know, being the astute Christians that we are, (laughs) that what was written in Scripture is actually meant to be understood as it's read. So in essence, God is making a statement here. He is saying, basically, light shines And darkness did not. You say, Jeff, did not what? Hold on. If you're you're there, you've already missed the point. Light Light shines. Darkness did not. This is actually saying that the light does something that the darkness did not. There is a present ongoing characteristic of the kingdom that is on an ever continuation that is now. And there is a stopping point to the darkness that was then. The kingdom is always now. The point is the darkness was then. That truth is still present today. The darkness did not overpower it. In your life, the light shines and the darkness, I don't care where you are or what you're going through, did not overpower it. So what I, what I want to talk about today, and I realize, I'm going to say it again, this is, a, this is bigger than I, than I thought, is that I want to talk about the past tenses of God. The God who was and who is and who's still coming, there's a was part. There is a, there's a, there's a few things that, that were that God took care of 
And there's, and there's another part that he wants us to know. There's a part of him that's still continuing today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. <clears throat> Here's one of those past tenses that I want us to take a look at. In John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus is on the cross. This is the last saying of Jesus. And uh, he was thirsty, and so if you read along, they, they, someone went and got some sour wine and gave it to him. <clears throat> and Jesus, when he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so this, this morning, what I want us to look at is that phrase, it is finished. Powerful, powerful words. And it's one of those phrases that if we're not careful, we just kind of skim over as we're going through our mental sea-doo. <laughs> Got to get through the end of the chapter. Jesus rise back from the dead. Cool. All right. That's good. Let's move to the book of Acts. And so, you know, it's just, what'd you do today, honey? I read 10 chapters, praise God. What were they? You know, normal stuff. I've read it before. So it is finished. Uh, two things I want to ask a question. Let's start with the second one first. Who's he talking to? It is finished. <clears throat> so Jesus, if, if we try to remember what the, the crucifixion, the setup, everything that was happening, most of the people that were around him in his immediate vicinity were all unbelievers. They were mockers. They were, they, this is the time where they, they, they had waited on this. They're the ones walking by going, well, you know, he saved others. He can't save himself. Look at that. The Romans uh, soldiers are right in front of, the, uh, of, the, of, of his crucifixion, and they're gambling for his clothes because his clothes were so nice, so nice they didn't want to tear them up. So who is he talking to? There's another group of people that was consisted of Mary Magdalene, Mary his mother, John the, the beloved that were over here, but I, I dare say they were so far away, I don't think that Jesus was talking to them. He was talking. He, he, was, he was talking on purpose. He was making a declaration not only here on earth, but one that, that sounded, resounded in heaven. It is finished. And so I'm not going to get into the intricate details of all that he did. I think we're going we're gonna, to, in time, we're going to get into those more and more. But just for the sake of getting through this message and making my point, I'm just going to point to, he's, it is finished. No one realized, no one realized, including the ones that had walked with him for three years solid, his, his, Peter, James, and John, the most trusted, no one realized what was actually happening. They all thought, oh man, this thing just bottomed out. This whole thing of, of a king being restored back to Israel and taking over and putting Israel back on top in world powers, this whole thing has just fallen apart. We, we, have, we have followed this man for nothing. We thought he was invincible. They had no idea. Nobody had any idea that what he was doing, he was doing it as a substitute, a substitution for them. They had no idea. Paul writes about it later because he'd received a divine revelation, but the ones that were there, they had no idea what he was doing. He was, he was in their stead, taking on the curse of man, the wrath of this, justice being administered. Had to fall on somebody. And God chose, it says, it, it pleased God to crush him. Please, God, to crush him. It's like, wow, wow. Nobody knew what was actually happening. 
So I just want to take this phrase, it is finished. What is he referring to? Well, before we can go in there and answer what is he referring to, let's just take apart this sentence and use the word, just take out finished. What does he mean when he said finished? Means that the work was done. It was actually completed. The thing that you want to extrapolate from that sentence or from that word is who is doing the talking. You've got Jesus, who's the Son of Man and the Son of God that we've talked about before. You guys remember that? Make, just making sure I'm in the right. It's like, oh, no. The Son of Man and the Son of God. This is Jesus, the Son of God, making a statement, a declaration. It is finished. It is done. The payment for what you deserve, mankind deserve, it is done. It is finished. Wrath is gone. And more. The past tense of God's word, when he says something in the past tense, he means something is settled, it is sealed, it's the final decision of his will. And here's the other thing. And God invites us in to having our expectations expanded to consider done what Jesus says is done. Galatians 3, verse 13. If you have your Bibles, turn to that. Galatians 3, 13. In reference to it is finished, Paul says, but Christ has rescued us. He has redeemed us. He has, we talked about this last week or two weeks ago, he has purchased back. He's purchased us back from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Remember we talked about a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, um, the children of Israel, uh, when they uh, left, left Israel, they got to this place where there's no water. And for three days, they had no water. Then they finally find a place, a pool of water, and they found out, oh, this is poisonous water. It's bad water. If you drink it, you're going to die. And so they cried out to Moses. Moses, in turn, cried out to God. And the, remember what it said? God showed him a tree. Guess he showed him a tree. That verse is prophetically pointing to this. And what happened was, the miracle was, was when that tree was thrown into the, the bitter waters or the poisonous water, it was made sweet. Still pointing to what was going to happen to Jesus on the tree. The sacrifice that Jesus gave for us on the tree, when we accept it, changes the waters of our life, which are bitter, into waters that are sweet. You have permission to say amen. You have permission to say, go, brother. That's really good. Okay? Past tense. Look at the past tense. Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. He has borne, he has carried, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment for our peace was upon him. It is finished. It's okay. It's totally okay. This is totally okay. I, I, I understand the dilemma. Our, our head's trying to, our, our head is reaching for this, going, no, I got this. And our heart's going, uh, it's okay. Scripture says faith comes, okay? So what I'm speaking to you, what I'm speaking to you 
is, is actually, uh, I think the Holy, I believe the Holy Spirit, I know the Holy Spirit is going to impart faith to us. So it's okay. If you don't have faith, don't check out because you're not grabbing this. That's what I talked about earlier. Don't check out because you don't understand it. Hold on. Faith comes. Faith comes. We like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I will meet you there. I will talk to you there. Where? The place of the sacrifice, the place of the exchange. The atonement cover, it's the exchange. Leviticus 17, 11, I've given you the blood upon the altar. It's the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. I will meet you there. I will speak to you from there. I will speak to you from my son. I will speak to you from there. His blood was shed for your purification. It's the blood given in exchange for your life. You had no way to get back to him. And God said, I've got an idea. I know the perfect one. There's nobody on earth that can measure up to what are the requirements that this throne is asking for except for one. There's only one. There's only one found in heaven and on earth and, uh, and under the earth. His name is Jesus. I will send my son. The son said, Dad, I will go. I will volunteer. I will go. Like this is, this is unheard of. This is unparalleled. In, in our understanding, outside of our understanding. Like we can't really grasp that. Like what dimension of love is this? What dimension of love is it that an eternal God who has nothing to lose and was actually, was betrayed by man, what, 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 what constitutes that sort of thinking in saying, you know what, I will make provision I will provide for everything that, we, that you lost. I will make provision for that. It's finished. It's sealed. It's settled. Speaking of past tenses. So we just read that he bore our sicknesses and carried our sorrows. What I didn't read or carried our, our pains and our sicknesses. What I didn't read was, and it says, and by his stripes... You are healed. When this picks up again after the fact of Jesus saying it is finished, the verb tense changes. Peter writing kind of the same thing, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. What's he talking about? It's done. The payment for healing is done. No, no, it's, it's okay. Do you remember a few weeks ago where I said someone had uh, told me, they said, Jeff, um, and this is another person we highly respect. So I was, I was in worship and um, looked around and saw all these angels in the room and they were all carrying new wineskins. Remember that? And the new wineskins were there to be given, but before they could be given, we had to exchange our old wineskin first. And so I say this, I'm tiptoeing in, I'm wondering if the things that I'm bumping up against in all of us, including myself, is an old wineskin. Because all of us, when we are, when we, Read this. Yep, it says it black and white, you were healed. Yep, it says it is finished. Yep. However, Jeff, I've got a big question because what about this person, this person, this person, this person, of all the people that have not been healed? Don't know. Can't answer that. All I can do is uphold the standard of the word and raise it above my experience. And not check out because I don't understand this. 
It's like Jesus is saying, are you going to leave too? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I don't understand what's happening right now, but I'm choosing to hold on to the eternal word of Jesus, choosing to hold on to that regardless of what I may or may not understand or which agree with. It's interesting, we only agree with what we understand. I had thought about just reading this, and I thought, no, as soon as I read this, people are going to say, could you say this again? This is a tremendous quote by F.F. Bosworth. says, God has put our redemption, our purchase, from the curse of the law in the past tense. And we receive our deliverance when we do the same. God is wanting us to appropriate, to take for ourselves, if you would, the past tenses of God's word. He's wanting us to appropriate that. He's wanting us to, there is a, there is, the delineation is what, what, what is happening here is he's trying to delineate between a promised blessing and an offered blessing. A delineation. A promised blessing puts the blessing really on the responsibility of the one who's making the promise. And as soon as the promise is fulfilled, then we receive the blessing. So in other words, all the responsibility is on the promisor. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was fulfilled. To receive a promised, uh, uh, because a, a, a promised blessing actually connects to hope. An offered blessing is attained by faith. Faith reaches and grabs hold of what's available now. The light shines, and the darkness did not. The light shines. It's what's offered. It's available now. And the darkness did not. Now, remember I told you I had trepidation? Say yes, Jeff, I I remember that. Thank you, thanks so much. Coach this group all. So this is one of those. Now realize, as soon as I put this up here, this actually has the tendency to go and pull us out to another set of teachings. So I, I think it's coming, this other set, but I have to illustrate my point about the past through what Jesus says in Mark eleven twenty four, He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. What does that mean? Treat it as past. Believe that you have received it. As you are praying, when you are praying, the thing that you're asking for, treat it like the past. Give him thanks that he's heard you. Give him thanks that, but treat it like it's past and it will be yours. Again, hold on. I know I'm standing on holy ground right now because we're like, yeah, but what about, I did believe, I I don't know. I can't. All I can do is, is uphold the standard of the word of God, which it says in scripture is forever settled in heaven. Are you guys okay? 
Could you do me a favor? Could you tell your face? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I wanted to end with a prophetic uh, th- uh, word. And uh, we, uh, so just so you know, the life of all of us uh, here as pastors, it's, it's a joyous, we love it, absolutely love it. One of the things we love is, is we get testimonies or we get people sending in dreams or, or prophetic words that they have, and, and, uh, w- which is great. The thing that, that I look for is when people begin sending prophetic words is I look for uh, similarities. I look for words coming in twos and threes. So let every word be confirmed out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So I'm not going to move on one word that just, you know, sounds amazing and I'd be reaching for it. I've learned through trial and error, mostly error, <laughs> that uh, to do that is a fallacy. You want to wait. The win, it's the win. It, it's the when of God that gets us the most. We get the what, the where, down the how sometimes, but it's the when. When do I do this? When do, God told me to move to Africa. When? Oh, he didn't say that. He just said move. And it's the when. It's the when. When that gets us. So, so we, uh, someone that Becky and I know, have known for 30 years, uh, called me this week. And what I'm about to tell you, I think, applies to everybody here in the room. And uh, so much so that once they told us this, what I'm about to tell you, we've had five people have the same similar dreams. Okay? So this is where, this is where I feel like uh, what I've been talking about, the Lord is wanting to demonstrate what I've been talking about in each one of our lives. So here's, here's the... Jeff, get to your point. Okay, I will. So <clears throat> this person said, Jeff, before I even tell you this, I need, to, I need to tell you, I hate snakes. Absolutely abhor snakes. I hate them. I can't look at them. I, can't, I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them on the road. I don't want to see them on television. I don't want to see pictures of them. I hate snakes. And they said, last week during worship, worship in the middle of worship, they look over in one of the back corners back there, and in the spirit, they see a coiled up snake. The coils reached about two and two and a half feet. So this was a big snake. And they were thinking, how in the world is this happening in the midst of this amazing, glorious worship? And so they looked at it and said, what are you doing here? And felt like that the Holy Spirit said, uh, it is here, A, it, it, and by the way, the face was facing the corner. So they couldn't even see the face, and it would not look at them. And, and so they're, they're saying, what are you doing here? And felt like the Holy Spirit said, it is here. It is afraid of the people in this church. It is afraid. The reason that it's here is because the people don't know that they have the authority to make it leave. Now, let me just tell you, authority was purchased for you. In the atonement. Man, one of the things had, that had been lost to man was his authority. He lost his authority. Jesus came back, got the authority. At the end of Matthew, he says, "I have all authority." Therefore, go. He's giving authority. So, said, so they said, <clears throat> so, so this person turns and says, okay, I know. In Jesus' name, go. And it vaporized. Then they noticed, not really where, where it was or in its stead, but as soon as that was gone, they noticed little bitty tiny baby snakes, like the size of an earthworm. And they said, Jeff, I don't know what this means, but there are 23 of them. And 
They said, and it was chaos. It was absolute chaos. These little snakes, they were not the offspring of the other snake. It's just once that big snake left, they, they saw a residue of tiny snakes. And they were going everywhere. And they said, these snakes were more like innocent thoughts that go through people's minds. And she said, there were 23. And she said, I have no idea what that means. I said, well... I don't know what 23 means either, except for, I wonder if it has something to do with DNA. So you've got 23 in me, that's a DNA test. Uh, and there's 46 uh, chromosomes. They have an X and a Y, each has 23. So I, I don't know. But they said that um, they started writing down what they felt like the Lord was showing them, what each snake, little, little snake represented. And then they got to seven. So I think that there's a good chance that some of these seven are going to resonate with some of us here. And so I'd like to read those. Okay? Are you guys with me? Are you good? Okay. So the first one, it's a little tiny thought, is comparison to others. Comparison to others within the church. Well, I'm not as good as, good as them. I don't have this. I don't look like them. Comparison. This next thing was there was uh, a concern about individuals' appearances. If I do this, I don't want it to make it. I don't, I don't want it to look bad on me, or I don't want to embarrass myself. And these are little snakes that keep us, if you would, outside of operating fully. The third one is the, ability, the inability to appropriate truth. Now, let me define that. Truth, not an issue of it being truth, like you, can, you can't recognize it as truth, but they cannot assimilate the truth for me. In other words, I think it's true for other people, but I just don't think it applies to me. The fourth one is, or one, two, three, I'm not ready. Fifth one is, I need more training or education. I've got too much in my past. Sixth one is, there's a tendency to look at either my own merits or limitations instead of looking at what Jesus did. Kind of falls into that, if I don't, then he won't. Math equation. But if I do, then he will. You're either looking at your limitations or you're looking at your accomplishments or your merits. And that's them. That's a seven. Now, I don't know about you. That was six. Well, you know what? Oh, and the seventh one was miscounting. <laughs> <laughs> One, I might have left one out. So six. So what I was going to say was, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure my family crest is made up of all six of these. <laughs> and uh, it, it's resident. Like, as I'm, this is the second time I've spoken this message. I'm up here going, gulp, as it pertains to me. The good news is, is that the Lord is pointing, giving us a heads up, saying, hey, they're not as strong as you think they are. That was the other thing. 
They don't have the power that we think they have. They're all lies. So here are the three things. They don't belong here. They know they don't belong here. But the third thing is we don't know that they don't belong here. And until we come out of agreement with this thing, they're probably not going to change. But the good news is we just exposed them. Yeah. So if any of these resonate with you, if you would do me a favor, could you stand? I don't want to pray. So I can only pray as much you're going to have to come into agreement with me, and you're going to have to tell the things to go as well. Let me just tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus, the name of Jesus actually puts bullets in your gun. Okay? When you say, tell this thing to leave, it'll leave. Now, let me tell you something else that's pretty, uh, um, <clears throat> the enemy is somewhat tenacious. So, Peter asked Jesus, uh, how often should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? No, seven times 70. Well, I've always taken that to mean 490 different offenses. But what I've learned is, is that the enemy is so crafty, he will bring back the same offense in a few weeks to see if he can find a chink in your armor to get you to be offended again. So I find that people that do stuff to me I, have a, I don't have a count on it, but I bet some of them are pretty close to 490 times that I've had to, it takes me 490 times in order for the, for the enemy to go, okay, you know what? I can't really get him on this one. So I, the reason I say that is, is as we are praying things and coming out of agreement with things, the enemy will trick you if you see evidence of something coming back around again, you still tell it to leave. Okay, if it comes back again, it doesn't mean that your gun doesn't work. It means we have need of endurance. So, you good? Father, Lord, we come before you in the name of Jesus, Lord, and we thank you for all that you're teaching us, all that you're showing about the whole message of this life, this one called Jesus. We are so thankful. We're so grateful. Lord, today, Lord, we, we, we take uh, notice of these. There are five people that actually had, someone uh, told me at the first service, they had a dream this morning about a huge snake and we're just crying all through first service as I was talking about this because they were being inundated with terror throughout this dream. And so, Lord, and the thing about it is, is in the dream, they didn't say no to it. They didn't tell it to leave. They just accepted it. So, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, as we use the name of Jesus, as, as, as we, are been, as we are, have been adopted by you we, you, we are daughters and sons of the most, of the most high King. We've been given authority that's been purchased for us by your son. Lord, we receive that authority now. And in the name of Jesus, we speak to these things that are plaguing us. And we say, go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just begin to say it. Go in Jesus' name. Tell the things that are bothering you to go in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And we don't look for you. We don't look for you to come back. However, if you do come back, we will tell you again, go in the name of Jesus. There's a promise. You, you have this thing in you that we, have, we all have. It's called the power of an indestructible life. It's the DNA of Jesus. What was spoken about Jesus in Genesis was when, when, when uh, confronting or when uh, God was cursing the snake and talking to Eve, he said, his, uh, he will crush your head, you will bruise his heel. That is what you have. Through the DNA of Jesus, you have the ability to crush his head. Okay? In the name of Jesus. So, Lord, I just, I declare, Lord, the, 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 the purchase the, the purchase, the, the redemptive purchase of Jesus, Lord, let it be applied here in this house. In Jesus' mighty name we ask. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen.